Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our podcast is part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites, the fastest sites in any light. Today's topic is an update on the NRA's education training topics. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This podcast is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. We save a special 10% off in your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by XS Sites. Every XS Site is guaranteed for 10 years, which gives you the confidence to use these sites during your class and demonstrations knowing that you have an American company standing behind them. Today, we are joined by NRA Certified Instructor and State Training Counselor Liaison and Board Member, Todd Ellis. Welcome, Todd, and thanks for making time to share your knowledge with everybody today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great. Well, this is the second time we've had you on, but for those uh, listeners that haven't listened to the first time, can you give our listeners a little bit of your background uh, in the shooting sports? Sure. Well, let's see. I actually got started at uh, age 11. Uh, didn't start shooting until then, uh, learned through the Boy Scouts at Boy Scout camp. And, uh, then I got pulled into a, a group that, uh, the Rochester Rifle Club of Rochester, New York, um, where they really wanted young folks to uh, shoot well and, uh, had some great coaches, uh, wound up shooting on the New York state junior, uh, marksmanship team for New York state RPA. And uh, I think it was 1979. We uh, we won as a team out in Connecticut at the Northeast Regional Championships. That was that was the big thing. So since then, um, done a lot of different shooting. Uh, still very much enjoy small bore, but uh, uh, second, I do a lot of pistol shooting and shotguns a distance third. I think people around here trap shooting in Pennsylvania is extremely extremely exciting. Um, a lot of very good shooters here. But I think to a man, they would tell you uh, that I am probably better off sticking to pistols and rifles, but uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun and training came along with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, Hey, um, first update out the, out the door uh, for our NRA uh, fellows out there is the annual meeting. You want to release the news about this? Yeah. It's heard already. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, most people already know it's, it's been all over the news. So um, we understand it's, it's a COVID issue. Um, I actually had COVID. I had a really nasty case, uh, coming back from a board meeting in January. Uh, I know where I caught it is at the uh, Philadelphia airport. Um, nobody else got sick. It was only me and, uh, went to get my luggage and found out that they were co-locating homeless folks, um, that were all sick in the baggage terminal, creating a super spreader effect, right? So the last thing we need at at NRAM is is another super spreader type situation. So a couple Mm -hmm. of us on the board have been really sick. Uh, Another fellow was on a respirator. Uh, I avoided that. And believe me, I don't want anybody to get sick. Yep. Well, 2021 uh, meeting is uh, canceled, but 2022 is going to be in Louisville, Kentucky on May 20th to the 22nd. So fingers crossed. We get the uh, Delta variant behind us and everybody can go to Louisville and be uh, safe and uh, enjoy a uh, NRAM for the first time, uh, hopefully in three years almost, but by that point, well, a long time. Too. Well, the, the ironic part is too, if you looked at the weather, um, I'm not sure what it's actually going to do next week, but it's forecasted that uh, that part of uh, Texas and Louisiana is supposed to get a hurricane too. So at least Kentucky is not known for getting hurricanes. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing how you know not only do we have COVID to deal with, but there's also a um, <clears throat> uh, hurricane that's coming close. And if you've ever been around hurricane, even if it doesn't hit you directly, it's still a very big uh, super soaker kind of a event. It can be a hundred miles away, and they still have a three hundred mile reach out around there. So everybody, uh, use the time, go to the range, uh, take somebody to the range with you, and. Uh, spread spread the news when it comes to it or take a course <laughs> there you go <laughs> well hey um something that came out recently was the um, update on the training counselor qualifications right so the um the interesting thing that that we've learned by uh uh ent's 
frankly, really good decision to kind of augment how that whole uh, training counselor development uh, workshop went was to have uh, TC candidates uh, actually do shooting uh, every single day that they're there during the development workshop. Um, folks that don't shoot pistol often or well generally don't proceed. But the concept is, is that the quality of the training counselors has um, just risen dramatically. You would think that that would have scared people away. We have a waiting list that's nearly a year long, and it's not because we can't offer the uh, the activities. It's because there's so many people that want in. I've got a, a individual that uh, uh, I've given a reference for. Uh, I think he'll do very well. He's based here in the Philadelphia area, and uh, he found out that the one that's coming up in December, uh, he would have to be online and sign up at a particular time and got in. And uh, he couldn't believe it. I mean, it's like hitting the lottery for him. So uh, it, it's it's really turned out to be for the better. Um, it doesn't help folks, for example, in scouting that may not have any pistol background, but uh, offer rifle and uh, shotgun and mirror badges. So you've got to be an instructor to offer those mirror badges. But some councils, frankly, don't have training counselors. So folks like myself are having to travel to those councils to help provide the services. So it's it's kind of bittersweet in one sense where the quality of those TCs is going straight up, um, but the, uh, the the ability to serve some of those folks that still need TCs is strong, and uh, we we need to uh, find ways to to help those folks. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing I take a you know give a big uh, you know thumbs up to the ENT people over it is the quality of the training counselors go up because training counselor is the first person a lot of instructors you know interact with mm-hmm. and how they interact their attitudes different things like that transfer onto that instructor which then ultimately transfers onto the student and that's where you want to make sure you got the best people as training counselors to make sure they're they're screening and coaching those new instructors and those new instructors are ultimately helping um, the new students and that's where being able to have mastery of the skills that they have to shoot is extremely important for well, because just going along and not being able to shoot yeah. and saying well you know I don't want to shoot at, you know, that's, that's a cop out. We should all be able to shoot. Well, not only that, but I think you hit on something without even realizing it. Something that, that we've talked about is all these new folks, folks that have bought guns and they they're desperate for training. Where can I get a class? You are an instructor. Wow. Where do you teach? I hear it all the time. Well, remember that a lot of these new folks, the first face of the NRA typically is an instructor. And uh, we've got a lot of them. So the ability to increase the quality of our TCs and thus the quality of our instructors is going to then bode well for all of these new shooters that need to get that baseline education. Most definitely, definitely. Uh, and uh, you know, most TCs or all TC, TCs, you know, for people that are wanting to become TCs, you know, the big thing of, that they're doing is, you know, the mentoring, guidance guiding and you know forming those uh you know new new instructors it's uh it can be difficult and it's i can tell you some of the most difficult uh classes i teach are the ones where you've got to coach somebody Mm. not just to pass but the ones where you've really got to sit down with them and and say well okay so this this and this happened and you know they realize you know that's not passing is it it's like you and I both know that, you know, that's not passing, but then it also is a great opportunity to say, but here's what I'm willing to do for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you come back next class, you go along and do this. And in the meantime, you go along and practice this. And guess what? All of a sudden, six months later, you've got not just a mediocre instructor. You've got an excellent instructor because they know what it feels like to be on, on the other end of going along and trying to, you know, how do I improve myself? And it's really easy to go along, give somebody a failing grade and poof, you're out of there. Sorry, didn't pass, but it's a lot more uh, great uh, beneficial to everybody if you go along, give them the skills in order to go along and you know be able to know how to pass. You know, go along every night, spend fifteen minutes dry firing. Go along and you know practice doing this, practice doing that. And all of a sudden, they come back and they're like I would never have thought that would have made a difference, but here I am, three months later, and I'm shooting bullseyes left and right. It's like, yep, because you've got to build those skills, and that's what you want to see in instructors and training counselors. One of the craziest uh, examples that that 
it, it's a perfect illustration uh, is the NRA CCW course. Uh, it's a hard course from the mm-hmm. standpoint that if you're not used to actually drawing from a holster here in Pennsylvania, we have uh, concealed carry licenses that do not require any kind of education or fall shoot. It's a $20 bill. You sign your name, you get a background check and you get a license. That's it. Um, so everybody says, well, I carry all the time. I know what I'm doing. And then you ask them, have you ever had a draw from a holster to either shoot a target or to defend yourself? Well, no. And, uh, you know, that's not something that people have skill sets in. And that's where the CCW course shines. But they have to be able to draw and shoot accurately and uh, and do it in in a manner that uh, is more protective than anything else. So we have to fail people that can't do that. Mm -hmm. And we had an individual that uh, was taking the instructor course. We had four people take it. Three failed. Um, One of them in, in particular uh, I really thought he would pass. And frankly, uh, at the very end, he, he was very upset with himself. And what had happened was because of the ammunition problem that we've had, he was practicing with lasers. Uh, he had a laser uh, module, you know, the bullet thing that you put in the action and it mm-hmm. presents a, a nice laser dot at the other end. Um, he was not using ammunition. And as a result, the problem was he was not ready for recoil at distance. And this is an experienced shooter, but because he hadn't been out to the range because of COVID, because of the ammo, because of this, um, he had trouble. And then he got his psyche was damaged. Right. So uh, he was having problems doing emergency reloads and stuff like that. He blew it. Comes back four months later, kills it. Absolutely passed the flying colors. And that's what I like to see. The guy did great more than positive attitude and he will make a terrific TC one day. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that is, uh, that's why I'm a training counselor to help and coach those people through it because eventually I'm going to hang up my hat one of these days. <laughs> and those are the people that are going to follow my footsteps behind me and hopefully make new footprints, um, taking it, for, uh, taking it beyond what I've done. And, you know, that's, that's what we've got to all keep in mind about it. You know, our, all our, all of us have limited time and we've got mm-hmm. to do the best we can and building the next generation of, uh, instructors and training counselors. Yes, sir. Um, uh, hey, uh, NRA just came out. I shouldn't say just, but a couple months ago came out with a new communication tool and that was their NRA forum. Oh yeah, that is when wonderful. That's actually been kind of in uh, developmental stage for a little while. Um, there's uh, been some folks in Arizona, Mike, uh, specifically down in Arizona, uh, was really the proponent of that one. Uh, it's turned out really well. We need more people to get on that and not Facebook and MeWe and any other platform where um, we don't want to be subject to somebody else's censorship. We want to have access to our instructors and training counselors and say, hey, look, this is a great place where you can interchange with other folks. You can have uh, uh, you know, hearty discussions about stuff, report errors in uh, XYZ uh, slide deck, whatever, which recently happened, um, or the MQP. There was a couple errors that somebody pointed out. Thank you. We need that type of thing. And that's where we have to have a forum to do that. And we don't need to have Facebook saying, wow, you're talking about guns. And today we've just decided you're not going to do that anymore. We don't need that. What we need is our own platform. And now we have it. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's face it. There's a lot of things where uh, we as instructors, training counselors need to talk about certain things to help one another. You know, I'm trying to find ammo for my course this weekend. You know, does anybody know where, where you can find something? you know, or go along and, you know, I'm teaching new students, but nobody has guns. I mean, all those kind of innocent questions could be flagged on Instagram, on Twitter, on, um, you know, Facebook, uh, MeWe, and all of a sudden, guess what? You know, the, the page is locked and then nobody's got a communication. And with the NRA being able to control it, as long as it's NRA topic, you know, tra- education training, then, you know, it just, it's, it's allowed. Now, of course yeah. you go off topic on politics or other things like that. Yeah. That's, that's going to get kind of squashed because the forum's there for education training, not for, you know, political um, back to you know, advertisements yeah. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Take that back to Facebook and let yeah. them do it or whatever your social media um, part is. Yeah. That's uh, a great tool. We've, we've had quite a few people on there. We need more. And uh, there's been people getting on there and saying, Oh, I'm going to complain about this and complain about that. Well, the problem is, is the people that need to hear it are on the forum. 
So truly, if you if you have a, a complaint or a suggestion or a recommendation or a, a attaboy, whatever the case might be, the forum is the way to go. And it's so easy to sign up. Why not do it? Mm-hmm. Yep, real easy. And the one thing that's really nice about it is 100% of the people that are on the forums are either the NRA staff or they are, are verified NRA instructors. You, yeah. you know, nobody's going along there and uh, got a ghost account or something else like that, where it's like, why would somebody be asking a question like that? Well, yeah. guess what? You know, the NRA knows exactly who's on there and, um, you know, they can, uh, valid, they can vouch to say those, they have uh, valid training credentials. You might get an answer that comes directly from Marty Sprick. You might get another answer that comes directly from Christian Vera, or you might get an answer directly from Brett Simon. And all three of them are extremely talented folks that, uh, they really have our best interests in their heart. And you know, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate those three guys as well as everybody else in the department. Uh, John has been doing a great job and, and hurting cats as much as he can. Uh, but those three guys have really pulled the rope for all of us. You know, uh, if, if people aren't aware of it, there's close to 140,000 uh, instructors, training counselors uh, that are out there. And those four people run the department, answer your questions, emails, phone calls, everything along those lines. Yeah, there's a total of six. So there's actually yeah. two more people that are there now. Um, but frankly, John and Brett, um, you know, they're answering customer service calls and, and writing emails. And mm-hmm. they're they're all busy. They're they're doing two and three persons jobs. I mean, they're really doing an incredible job. Yep. Well, that's what that's uh my hat's off to them. And you know, support that number of people is uh pretty awesome. Mm. Uh, let's talk about the updated rifle course. Uh, we were talking a little bit about this before we hit the record button. And, uh, I taught a rifle instructor course earlier this year and it wasn't new, newer one. And I saw the update come out shortly after I completed that course. And, uh, it's got some new, uh, qualification requirements to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, uh, we, we've been kind of tossing it around a bunch of training counselors, myself, not everybody teaches rifle, um, so uh, generally speaking, I would say the majority of folks that are rifle instructors tend to be uh, affiliated with scouting um, or junior marksmanship programs or whatever the case might be. Um, but what that now is requiring folks to do is to shoot a circle that is on a white piece of paper. Uh, I think the circle is four and a half inches in diameter and uh, do it at 25 yards. Now. 25 yards is a reasonable distance. That's also the distance that's used in some different programs. For example, uh, Revere's Riders, the Appleseed Project, and things like that use that distance. Um, however, small bore programs, which is, again, where a lot of the folks who are teaching rifle um, often go to, for example, scouting or 4-H or um, you know, other junior marksmanship programs, um, and part of the problem there is, is that they're using typically uh, dual aperture sights and that circle doesn't show up. <laughs> so, so we've had some folks say, well, wait a minute, uh, we've only have uh, a 50 foot range and that's how we've done it for a long time. So we're, we're kind of exploring that a little bit. Um, people could use a scope. Uh, I've offered a, uh, an MSR, which is a modern sporting rifle to the uninitiated. Um, and I've got a really nice scope on it. And people have said, no, I want to do this with iron sights. I want to do this with my Savage FBT rifle because this is what we offer the boys at camp. Okay, but you're not going to see it in the sights very well. So um, I did have a course where I I gave students an opportunity to uh, try a different target. And this was the uh, small bore conventional 50-yard target. So what's really cool about that is when you look at a dual aperture sight, it's the same sight picture that you would see at 50 feet. So if you've been to a scout camp and, and you shot a rifle with dual aperture sights, um, you would get the same sight picture. You get that nice black target in the middle, followed by a little piece of white with, uh, then you've got your, your front aperture. And then of course you've got to marry that up with the rear sight, which is a peep sight. It looks the same. It's just a little further out. So now you have little things to worry about like, oh, uh, wind, you know, things of that nature. So it's challenging. Prone, they had no problems. Um, offhand, oh my goodness, it took a lot of warming up. And uh, 
some bad language, <laughs> but <laughs> they eventually qualified. And uh, uh, it was really hard popping their balloon because an individual had gone to the nationals that same, same day in Camp Atterbury and uh, had actually uh, one hold all of the same identical targets at 50 yards in offhand position. And uh, that was humbling for a lot of folks. So, uh, but I had to share it with them and show them it can be done. And that's important. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is pretty cool. You know, another co- course that uh, the NRA has updated uh, recently has been the RSO course. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, actually been kind of fun. I, I recently taught that course with the new stuff in it and uh, it was good. It, it's, it's just about the same information. The book is a little bit different. Uh, the book is actually now uh, all of the slides with the notes printed out. And so the book is actually bigger, um, but there's some really cool graphics in it now. And I, uh, I think it's really cool to, uh, to look at Chewy's plate rack. There's all sorts of little Easter eggs that have been put into those slide decks. And that's one of them. <laughs> uh, uh, Christian is really knocked himself out with some of these presentations. I think the funniest one is the the pistol uh, uh, basics of pistol shooting presentation where it shows him with a Smith and Wesson 929, which has a six and a half inch barrel. I have one and I show students, I have the same gun and in Christian's hands, it looks like a four inch barrel. And in my hands, it looks like about an eight inch barrel. Right. And then you <laughs> notice between his legs and very small print, it says not to scale. He's six foot five. So, uh, <laughs> It's just hilarious. And students finally get it. And they're like, wow, that's a big gun. That's a big guy. So it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, good thing, you know, again, NRA staying uh, current with the RSO course, because that's one of the courses I know I teach uh, fairly regularly because there's always uh, new groups, new uh, people that want to get, you know, certified on how to run a range uh, safely. And that's really important. The first step. Learn how to be safe first. And that's something we want to stress, not necessarily, hey, I want to learn how to shoot, but I want to do this safely. And I couldn't plan that better, uh, Todd. Let's talk about first steps for pistols. That's that's a, that's a program that uh, just came back. If people aren't aware, it went away five years ago. And yeah. And now it's uh, now it's uh, now it's back. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is that, uh, you know, first steps was meant to be kind of a uh, putting your toe in the water type of thing. This is what this is about. If you want to take the full course, you can take the entire basics of pistol shooting. But we have some folks that uh, frankly said, I don't want to spend all day in a class. I I like to know that I can get all that information. I just want to learn how to shoot. And I just want to learn how to be safe. And uh, First Steps does it. And it does it well. It does it in about four hours instead of eight. Um, you know, we, we got people that want everything instantaneously now. If we can't get them to sit for eight, then for goodness sakes, if we can get them to sit for four, we're all better off. Mm-hmm. And it covers the basics of it so they can be safe out on the range there, yeah. which um, it, again, that's why we're here is make sure people can do things safely. Yeah. For Always, uh, always, always. Yep. Um, when it comes to basic pistol shooting and the uh, target selection, um, there was some information coming out about that, about the size of the targets, and then uh, which targets we're allowed to use and which ones are not allowed to use. Yeah, and that's that's been uh, a very interesting situation because one thing that we learned is that certain people's printers will print certain things in different proportions. So it might be a half inch uh, wider in diameter. It might be a half inch uh, narrower in diameter. Um, so, you know, from that aspect, we're just trying to get people to group. I think that's the important thing to realize to shoot the center of the target and, and worrying so much about, well, gosh, I used to use a pie plate. That's fantastic. Um, you still could, if you have the same size circle on the pie plate, that'll suffice where people don't understand why they should use the targets out of the appendices. Um, that's where um, bit comes in again. So especially in lesson six, which is the new lesson, which I think that's something else we're going to talk about eventually, but mm-hmm. um, subpoenas, because subpoenas, and everybody's like, oh, what do you mean subpoenas? I'm going to get subpoenaed if I teach this. Well, no, but if somebody has something happen right? They had a negligent discharge or they shot Mrs. O'Leary's cow or whatever the case might be. They did something wrong and somebody suing somebody, who's one of the first people they're going to go to? The instructor that taught them how to shoot that gun. 
So the instructor has to be fully prepared. Well, uh, did you teach this individual how to shoot a pistol? Yes, I did. Uh, what did you teach them? Well, I taught everything in the basics of pistol shooting course in the NRA. Okay, uh, does that really prove anything? Well, no, but perhaps these performance requirements that I initialed and they initialed and we dated and we signed shows that they did this, 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 and this. And oh, by the way, here's their standardized targets, which here's a PDF copy of the exact target that they shot showing that they qualified and had a group within this size at this distance. Oh, well, I guess he knew what he was doing then. Yeah, I don't think he was negligent at all. He was a good student and he passed. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Right. So people don't realize, well, why would I use a standardized target? There's a great reason. You really want to put pictures of pie plates in your files or the actual pie plates themselves? <laughs> I don't think so. I, it's just much easier. Just print them out. Printers are cheap these days. Print yep. them out. Well, and it's, it's sad to say, but in a lot of cases, I mean, everything we do from instructor insurance to liability waivers, things like that, that we do is to make sure that something does go wrong and we are pulled, you know, in front of a jury and, and such uh, that we have, you know, evidence to show that, hey, you know, we went along and they signed this waiver saying that, you know, they knew they were, what the activities they were. And same thing with the performance uh, requirements there. You know, we can go along and show them, hey, this is what they signed off on. Because put it this way, I would be hard pressed to tell you, you know, everything that happened during the class uh, six weeks ago, six months ago. <laughs> and I definitely would not be able to tell you much that went on in the class six years ago. And, you know, that's the type of things that's going to come up is it's not going to be the class from yesterday. It's going to be the class from weeks, months, if not years ago, that they're going to come back and say, Mr. Beckman, you know, do you, re do you remember teaching this person? It's like, well, he's on the course report. I can't really remember him individually, but if I can pull up, you know, course report, here's the test they took, here's the performance report, and here's a picture of their targets. You know, I did what I was supposed to do and whatever else went on, you know, is, is not related to what I, what I did at least. And, well, you know, you've, you've got some defense. Well, the opposing attorney, the last thing they're ever going to want to hear is, oh, and by the way, here's, here's his signature and uh, here's mine. And, and here's what we did. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's, yep, uh, they, that's hard to compete against. Exactly. Um, next topic. We talked a little bit about it before, but with the uh, scouting program and their uh, TC program, they've, they've got, um, an opportunity for those people that are uh, in the scouting program to become a uh, training counselor. Well, yes and no. So they can, they still have to, they have to shoot and they have to shoot pistols still. And that that's been kind of a problem. There is a, uh, a, a different program that's not well understood or known. And that has to do with ordering materials. So scouters, not scouts, but scouters, the, the adults, um, if they associate themselves um, with a training counselor on behalf of the council, they can get a very slight discount. And we're talking a buck, right, generally speaking, on various materials that would be used in the scouting program. Um, that's helpful. Uh, it causes them to have to reach out to a training counselor who has to do all the ordering, too, by the way. So he would have to be reimbursed either by the council or by the students themselves. Um, but they can get a slight discount. Um, part of that agreement is, is that they're also not going to be teaching for a profit because this is being done for a nonprofit, meaning scouting. Mm -hmm. So, um, plus we do have a, uh, an agreement with scouting, um, uh, and that partnering agreement, uh, uh is a five-year program and, and that's uh, been going, I think that was re-up last year. So it's, uh, it's a good program. That's one of the reasons why we have people in scouting now saying, I want to be a TC because I want to be a part of that program. Um, and that's great. Again, they've got to be able to qualify to be a TC. And uh, you also have to weigh whether um, that extra buck is really worth all of the, uh, the anxiety of finding somebody to help them out. But at the same time, we've got to be as a TC available to go work with those folks if they do want to become instructors so they can teach rear badges. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I started, you yep. know, 11 year old scout. Yeah. And that, and boy scouts have a big need for it because they not only, you know, need training counselors, but come summer camp, they need rifle shotgun instructors for it. Some camps even, uh, offer pistol programs mm -hmm. and all those are, you know, 
new people a lot of times that need to be trained. So it's a great opportunity for a, a training counselor, help a local council out or for one of the council members to go get certified and become a training counselor. And they got to go out and do it. And that, that's part of the problem is, uh, you know, there's just one council I've got to drive two hours to help out. I'm willing to do it. Um, it's definitely a loss leader for me, um, but I'm doing that on my own nickel. They don't have any other recourse. So mm-hmm. as a scout or as an Eagle Scout, I will do it. And I've told them that. And, uh, and I've already uh, started teaching when needed. Uh, but I try to make sure that we have full classes. It's really hard to travel two, three hours to a location for two or three students. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one thing to keep in mind too, uh, just to give you, uh, give everybody a perspective on, uh, what scouting does for the, uh, firearms community as a whole is, as I understand it, it's the number one gateway for people getting exposure to firearms, shotguns, rifles, and pistols. Cause you, you realize there's several million youth in the program and probably another million uh, adults that are part of the program and their experiences having a safe, fun, and enjoyable uh, shooting experience. All of a sudden they turn 18 and, you know, as you were talking, Todd, and I don't know if that gentleman from North Carolina was uh, a scout or not, but it shows you that once the youth kind of get bitten by the bug and really embrace it, they can, you know, the, you know, moon's moon's the limit for them. Yeah, most definitely. And it's, uh, it's vital being on the youth committee for the board. Um, I can tell you that, uh, that's one of the things that we've talked about is how do we serve youth better? And we did have a youth program that frankly, several of us feel needs to be dusted off. Unfortunately, we need a headcount to help reimplement that. We have four full-timers implementing the youth program. That's how popular it was. Um, so now that we have, what is it, 400 million guns in America now? Um, and our youth need education more than ever, and they need our support. So that's something that's very near and dear to my heart, and I want to see that grow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. Well, here's something that's kind of uh, fun, and I know I've already got mine, but NRA now, when you renew your certifications, um, you can go along and get uh, nice plastic ID cards. So I know, um, you know, originally I used to get mailed uh, heavy paper stock kind of ID cards, which uh, again, they were paper stock, and I tried to laminate them and to make them last a little bit longer. Now the cards are nice, hard uh, credit card size cards that will uh, last. And it's only a couple bucks to get them when, at, when you renew, or if you want to sign up and, uh, and pay for them now, but you know, that's, that's a nice addition to it because instead of showing somebody a, a tattered old piece of paper, you can actually show people, Hey, here's a nice plastic card. It's very professional looking mm-hmm. uh, and it's not expensive. It's like six bucks. And if you get, if you have enough credentials of types of credentials, for example, if you are an RSO or a coach, you get a second one, um, which is kind of cool. One's blue, one's green. Um, what's really neat about that is, for example, in her office, uh, there was a particular uh, lady. She said, so what do you do on the weekends again? And I said, well, I'm a firearm safety instructor. And that's what I tell people. I'm a firearm safety instructor. And, and for whatever reason, that tends to ring bigger bells than just say, I teach people how to shoot. Um, so then they're like, really, what do you teach? And uh, I'll say, well, you know what? Here's my card. And I'll pull out my ID card that I always have sitting in, in my little folding wallet. And, um, and I'll, I'll hand it to them. And they're like, wow, you teach all these courses? I, I do. Well, I've always wanted to learn how to shoot a rifle, pistol, or shotgun. Okay. So now it's a new discussion item. It gives you credibility. And uh, it allows you to open the door to yet another person to learn how to shoot safely. Mm-hmm. Very professional. I, I like it. And I uh, got my card and I definitely do, uh, do like carrying it. Don't have to worry about it, uh, falling apart. If it yeah. uh, gets a little bit sweaty during the summer or, or a little wet in the wintertime type of thing. Well, and the best part is if you get a new credential or if you just want a new one, it's only six bucks to mm-hmm. get a new one. It's easy. Yep. Yeah, and they, I think it took two or three weeks for yeah. get them. I mean, obviously they they're batching them, so they're not sending them out the next day like Amazon, but Hey, I can wait a couple of weeks for that to show up. And if I need something sooner, I can always print, uh, download it off the NRAI mm-hmm. and, uh, print it off directly there. So yeah. not, not hard anyway around. Fox is the right price. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you were talking a little bit about bid updates. Um, I've taught this a couple of times and I thought it was a really nice addition. So they've got a part with the American with disabilities act for, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, that Joe, Dr. Joe Logar that uh, had been on the program before has uh, talked about, and he finally has it into the BIT manual. So that's good. I also have, uh, you know, topics about how to counsel somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, new new shooters. We were talking about. You know, it, it, this isn't boot camp where you can scream and yell and berate them. We really are trying to go along and build, you know, better, safer, more knowledgeable uh, citizens out there, and that's an yeah. uh, important thing for for everybody to realize. Well, there's other stuff in there too that, frankly, is very critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, who can we teach? Yep, ITAR very important to ITAR know and understand. Huge. Um, a little known factoid, I used to be an ITAR licensee myself. And uh, so I understand those rules probably better than most people. Uh, not an attorney, but I did have to follow the rules myself. And they're pretty straightforward. Two really important, interesting things, especially with what's going on in the news these days. Um, for example, we've got folks that are coming over the border seeking asylum. Did you know that asylum seekers um, are eligible to uh, obtain firearms and get training. Mm-hmm. Did you know that uh, people who are refugees are also capable? So interestingly, here locally, this just happened uh, just like the other day. Uh, one of the individuals that just came out of Afghanistan, uh, he uh, came to the States. They relocated him already. There's apparently, I think they said uh, the first group of 30 was brought to Philly to be settled. Um, and guess what the first thing was this individual did? He went straight to a gun store. That's how I got the report. They said, did you know that one of the first Afghanis to hit the country came straight to our gun store? <laughs> I said, oh my goodness. Whoa. But he has refugee status. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Which is different than being illegal alien in the United States too. And that's one of those things where, I um, mean, you know, ITAR, uh, when I, first time I taught it, 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 turn on a few light bulbs because you've, you've really got to know and understand, um, you know, ITAR stands for international trade and armed reduction. Trafficking Um, in arms. Okay. Regulation. But it's one of those things to keep, uh, keep people from going to another country, getting trained and then go back into their country and, uh, causing revolution. Well, I, I had actually a, a little incident here in Philadelphia and, uh, I, I don't want to think it was the motivating factor for having it, but it came up and uh, had an individual wanted to become a pistol instructor. Um, and he had an Asian name and I thought, oh, that's great. But there were some anomalies. And I asked to see his PDF uh, for his completion certificate showing that he shot level four because uh, he was a feeder from one of my instructors and uh, didn't get flagged. In fact, th- this was an instructor I hadn't worked with before. We're now very good friends. Um, but something was wrong. You wanted semi-auto only. Uh, you have to really ask for that. And the instructor actually has to do some things on the portal to make that happen. Uh, you have to really want that. Uh, and he shot level four and he had a JPEG, not a PDF. And there was a watermark on the JPEG that said WeChat. WeChat is a uh, social media platform that is owned and run, I understand, uh, it's my understanding that it's owned and run by the communist uh, government of China. So I'm, I'm like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? So I sent the guy, no, just curious. Uh, I see you shot level four. I see that you only wanted to do semi-auto. Kind of curious why not revolvers because you got to do that too to become an instructor. And uh, I saw the WeChat. So uh, I just got to ask, are you a U.S. person? And a U.S. person is somebody that has rights. That's an important thing to understand. And that's what we talk about in Lesson 6 of what makes up a U.S. person, not citizen, but person. And he came back and he said, oh, no, I'm here on a student visa. I'm from China. I'm like, wait a minute. You're 25. You're ineligible to own a handgun. You're ineligible to touch a handgun, <laughs> let alone be proficient enough to walk off the street, take a course, and shoot level four in a day. There's something wrong. He said, oh, okay, poof, disappeared. So now I, I have the reason to ask, what do I do next, right? And that was where a lot of this started coming in. I didn't even know, for example, who is in charge of enforcement for ITAR. Turns out it's Homeland Security. So those are things that we just don't know as educators. Um, and it's against the law for us to teach folks like that. And mm-hmm. we have to just unfortunately tell them, like, I can't teach you. 
Um, and frankly, don't go to the next guy or else I'm going to have to report you. You know, yep. and maybe we should just report those folks. Yep. And it's one of those things where we can be very innocent about it, but if we don't know, but at the same time, the law is the law. And if you teach them, you could, you know, you could be breaking the law and then get into a lot more trouble than just going along and disappointing one person. Well, he showed ID. Unfortunately, it was not real ID. And the person who took the ID didn't know that. So again, what do these IDs look like? And that's all covered in lesson six. Yep. Yep. That's, that's great. There's uh, two other things, um, that, that I saw from the, uh, email that came out and that was going along and displaying religious or political symbols during classes. And I think most of us probably go along and say, yeah, that's not a really good thing. And the other thing the NRA wants everybody to know is what actions put our certifications in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And that is pretty much anything that doesn't promote safety or uh, promote the uh, second amendment for it. Or the NRA. Yeah. Or the NRA also. And those those are things to where people need to uh, be very aware of it. Because uh, in Ohio, I know of uh, specific actions by a anti-gun group that was trying to get uh, NRA instructors to go along and speak out against, um, go constitutional carry, which the NRA is for, which, um, I went along and uh, politely informed them that if they were going to go along and speak out, even though they might not be a hundred percent behind it, they would be putting their credentials at, at risk going against the NRA for doing things as an instructor. They can, they can, you know, resign their instructor's credentials and do anything they want. But as an instructor, we've got to be a toe. We got to be lined up with the NRA when it comes to promoting our second amendment rights. That's for sure. And it should, and, and whether they have uh, USCCA or anybody else's certification, um, why would you do that? It just doesn't make any sense, but, mm-hmm. uh, and you've got to follow the law. We've, we've had folks that uh, have done unscrupulous things and they're no longer TCs or instructors. Um, I, I had a young man come to me. He says, I want to be a pistol instructor, but I got a problem. I went to a pistol instructor course. I paid $550. I walked in. I was the 16th person there. And uh, it was what's called an Act 235 course, which is for law enforcement to uh, continue their credentials. He said, I was like a, a fish out of water. I, I didn't know what I was doing. He said, I have a degree in education. I can't teach anybody anything that I learned because I didn't learn anything. What do I do? And this got into a call to Marty Sprick, who was in charge of the TC program. And um, Marty and this individual, uh, communicated back and forth. And, uh, eventually this individual, uh, who is my student now, um, and actually he's now a pistol instructor and he's actually gone through the student CCW course. He, uh, he got some of his money back. The other fellow is no longer a TC and, uh, 16 people, I understand, uh, all became pistol instructors and none of them were seeking it except for this one individual. So it's like, well, how does that happen? There are repercussions. Don't mm-hmm. think that people don't talk and don't ask people to sign NDAs that you won't talk to the NRA in order to get your money back, which was attempted, by the way. <laughs> that doesn't work. We'll that find would, out. That would be a red flag right there. If you say yes, you sir. can't tell anybody about what happens here because, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, last topic I have is uh, going along listing non-NRA classes on the uh, portal which uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense since it's an NRA portal. You, It should be for NRA classes, but you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, there's there's a few different things you could do there. For example, one of the, the interesting things that happened years ago, one of the problems we have from a youth standpoint is very often there are youth programs that we don't know how many youth are actually being served. Um, very often we'll teach a mirror patch course, and that never gets recorded anywhere except ScoutNet which has nothing to do with NRA. So somebody says, well, you're supporting scouting. Uh, yes. Well, how many scouts are you supporting? Oh, a lot. Okay. Quantify a lot. We don't understand that. We look at 4-H numbers because we get those numbers through friends of the NRA type uh, NRA foundation funding. We got to know how many scouts that we're working with. So one way that you could do that is list a mirror badge course and just discuss, you know, list one person and then discuss about how many actually were served. I think the most interesting example in St. Louis at uh, Greater St. Louis Area Council, uh, they do something called, or excuse me, Cub Scout Day One. And in one weekend, I had rifle instructors that I had taught 
Um, they all said they had a wood badge project. And they wouldn't share it with me. I said, fine. You know, they wanted to surprise me. Well, they certainly did. They went and they, uh, they had a BB gun shoot for 900 young men in one weekend. Can you imagine that? 900 seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, got mm-hmm. to get a BB gun for the first time. Uh, they were very proud. They all got their wood badge, which is an adult leadership award. Um, but uh, I was awed. But we reported it as such. We had 900 youth that we served in one weekend. And I got the phone call. What the heck is this? <laughs> I said, you want to know numbers? We'll get you numbers. Other things, though, for example, with the CCW course, if you teach a, uh, a CCW course that has a state uh, educational requirement, for example, Illinois, where you have to teach three specific uh, sets of laws, the Gun Control Act of 1968, the Floyd Act of 1968, and the Concealed Carry Act of 2013, that's a day's worth of, of education that you have to do in 16 hours of seat time, as well as bops or something like that. So um, that's a non-NRA course. So you could list that. In fact, when you report the uh, the actual NRA CCW student course as an instructor, you actually can check off that you had non-NRA content, which is specifically doing the law side. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it makes it interesting. Yep. But we instructors shouldn't be going out there and listing uh, their own CCW classes and mislabeling and things like that, which is where the problems came in to start with. Well, not only that, the, the other bugaboo that everybody tends to forget and why I'd love to see everybody go back through bid again, not just for lesson six, but when to say you are an NRA instructor. You know, the last thing I want to hear, which I hear all the time, come out for our fun shoot. We're going to have NRA certified instructors work with you. Well, wait a minute. Is this an NRA event? Well, no. Well, why are you telling me that we have NRA certified instructors? Because now... You're you're using credentials for something that's not NRA, and it may be a fun shoot, and it may be great that you have qualified people. Then say, we have qualified instructors. Well, that's mm-hmm. while you're here, we'll tell you about the NRA courses that we teach. That's a better way to put it. Um, and instead, we always like to say, well, you know, I'm an NRA instructor, and and I'm going to do a fun shoot. Well, no, <laughs> it's a non-NRA event. So let's let's kind of dial that back a little bit and really think about, hey, I'm an instructor. We're going to have a fun shoot. we got qualified people out there. And while you're there, we're going to talk to you about NRA courses. Yep, that sounds better. Yeah. And it might get you some more folks that want to do pistol and shotgun and some other uh, discipline. Yep, that's that's definitely I mean, you, you have those students that have a good experience and all of a sudden they're coming back for more and more and more because they had that fun and they had the the a safe and uh, responsible experience. Absolutely. So, well, hey, Todd, we've been asking all our guests this year to recommend a book or other instructor that you feel that other instructors should check out to improve themselves. Do you have any suggestions for our listeners? I do. It's kind of an odd one, but it, it's probably, I think, the most important one that, that one could do, if they, especially one to instruct. But if you're going to do any kind of public speaking at all, and public speaking, you know, uh, it was said uh, in a religious uh, group, uh, three or more, right? And you suddenly have the ability to have a group. Well, that could be public speaking. Um, I've spoken in front of groups uh, of nearly a thousand people. I, I've done it before. I've taught people how to do it. I had a young man who had to address 550 people at an Eagle banquet, and he was uh, one of the most less talkative people I've ever seen. Um, even though he's a football player, he hated talking to anybody. He's a very quiet kid. He had to make an address to 550 people about what it meant to be an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. So I worked with him over a week. He did a great job. His parents for a year kept telling me, what did you do to my child? This kid is just blossomed. Learning how to speak in public environments is a huge thing. If you're going to do any investment on yourself, learn how to speak in front of others. Try to get your public speaking skills honed. Uh, learn how to present to people. Make it interesting. Uh, make them want to come back and hear from you again. Um, that's how you get repeat business and training. And uh, and there's a lot to it. So you've got to really practice at it. And it's really best to practice from somebody who has some really good proven tips. Definitely. And we go back to some of our earlier episodes. We actually had a gentleman on about uh, talking about Toastmasters. So yeah. one, of the, one of those organizations, that if you want to 
join an organization can definitely help out on your public speaking abilities. You betcha. Well, Todd, where can instructors find more about you and the uh, classes that you're teaching? Uh, I do have a website. It's uh, ellacertified.com. Um, and uh, I actually have a schedule of some of the courses that I teach from time to time uh, posted there. More importantly, I have a list. Okay, what do I do now? Um, I get more emails in a week from people saying, I'd like to learn how to do this. I want to become a that. Uh, what do I do? What do I need to do? And I've heard it so many times that it's like, look, I'll tell you or I'll send you an email. But what I'd like for you to do is go back to the uh, website, look at the page, read it again, and really develop your plan. What are you going to do next? Well, I really need to take bops because if I'm going to become a pistol instructor, I got to do the basics first. And I've got to learn what it means to be a student. And then I got to take bit so I can learn how to teach to be an instructor. And then I can take pistol instructor. And then by the time I've done all that, I might want to do something else as well. But now I've invested in my abilities. And not only that, I now have developed that wonderful positive attitude that is really going to shine. And that's what really makes a, a better uh, a better instructor. That sounds great. You, I just popped it up on my screen, real easy to find, and has some great information on it for those beginning instructors or those uh, people that are looking for the next step in their training journey. So Absolutely. Great, great information there. Well, thanks, Todd, for your time and uh, be good. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. That's a wrap for this episode. If you like it, why don't you go over to firearmstrainerspodcast.com and leave us a comment on our website. We always like hearing back from our listeners. Now we want to announce this week's podcast prize winner. This week's winner is Richard, and he won a palm pepper spray. Next week, we are giving away a Flight 93 9-11 commemorative ball cap. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. Remember, you can't win without entering, and your entries do not carry over from week to week. Share podcasts on your social media to help other trainers and instructors receive the great information you're receiving here. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.